The following movie has been rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. It is intended for mature audiences. Night of the Lepus, which I believe had DeForest Kelly in it, of all people. The, uh, let's say the person of a Caucasian persuasion. Who the hell are you all of a sudden? It's our script with Jason and Joel! Yeah! Thank you. Calm down. Calm down. That's right. It's off script with. We, we gave you lead billing for the love of God. Be on top of this. Oh my God. Finally. It's Jason. And <laughs> Joel. That's me. And wow. Well, episode three. Episode three, my friend. <sighs> Already at the end. I think it's, I think it's been, it's been, been a, a good, good run. It really has been. It's been a good run. It has I'm been. really happy. Yeah, I'm happy for the effort. I mean, we didn't get close to 100 this time. In fact, if you add no. this to the Forgotten Flicks episodes, we still haven't hit 100. <laughs> so I'm, Shut think- up. <laughs> I'm thinking when we do the uh, Summer's Eve podcast that I'm prepping, we'll, you know, look, folks, don't judge us. We have a sponsor and we'll we're, get there. we're going with it. When we yeah, get with the get Summer's there. Eve podcast, um, <laughs> the, that we'll try to get that one to at least five episodes. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so how are you, my friend? I'm here. I'm yeah. happy. Joyful? I, I, I'd, go, I'd go so far as to say jubilant. Are you strange? Well, that's, you say strange, that's a given. That's a strange. <laughs> I, I do want to uh, thank our buddy Dave. Dave the U. Dave the U-Man. Yeah. Uh, he, in fact, posted, I believe, on the site, the correct game show we were so futilely attempting to remember (laughs) the last episode and do you recall what the name of that game show was jason yes it was supermarket sweep yes Uh, i'm gonna actually put up uh, some youtube clips onto the facebook page or the facebook group uh for you to check out it's uh, Mm -hmm. he he totally knew exactly what we're talking about but because he had time to google it but i would also like to point out i would also like to point out jason I understand anybody out there who feels like any what little credibility we had. It just it's gone now because we couldn't remember the name of. Listen, our standing in the retro game show community is really, really low. It's done. It's really done. Well, it's almost like we didn't have a chance. I mean, it's not like we were talking about the whammies or what, what the hell was that show? Uh. No whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Stop. That was, uh, God damn it. Now he just made us even worse. <laughs> I don't re- I just remember the damn, uh, like the worst drawings ever. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're typing. I hear typing. You I'm cheating, typing. I'm looking this up. Bastard. I am. I, remember, I do remember, and I'm not looking this one up. Tic Tac Doe. I remember Tic Tac Doe. And of course, um, like the, one hundred- of the bigger ones in my house was win loser draw yes that was a classic uh, i was more of a fan of the double dare oh yes mark summer yep yep who, who, I remember that who one. in a little in a little twist of irony had ocd <laughs> i know i know <laughs> i remember uh, seeing way, that with oprah uh, he was no a, whammies no whammies was called press your luck oh press your luck that's right because the whole whammy thing would totally make you think of that i actually speaking of weird game shows i always was also into for whatever reason uh, the ones with Chuck Woolery, such 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 as uh, the the dating game, that was yeah, always, yeah, that was yeah. always fun. He did the dating yeah. game, and there was another one he did. But he always used to say, "I'll be back in two and two, or we'll be back in two and two. But was, didn't he? Yeah, oh yeah. Didn't he also do? Um, didn't he also do Tic Tac Doe? He might have. He was one of those prolific game show hosts. Uh, yeah. one, one of those guys that that's pretty much what he did. He hosted shows <laughs> great oh, ha- well, great hair I great teeth what do you want from the man huh yeah well i think we mentioned one at um lunchtime today i think he also did that uh lingo lingo the word game. yeah oh okay if you say so i trust you <laughs> that was my mistake so, so anyway yes thank you to dave um for pointing out that we're morons i can't remember the name of a really awesome game show and thank you to shannon our buddy shannon who posted the picture. I don't know if you saw that. She tagged me in it. 
you know, because she likes me better than you. She tagged me in it, and, or maybe she actually likes me less, and that's why she forced me to look that's at why you're there. a still image of Supermarket <laughs> Sweep. I don't know, whatever. But thank you, Shannon. And it yep. was pretty awesome because you could see one of the one of the people in that picture. This woman, she really has the eye of the tiger. Uh, <laughs> she is she she had to win that round, or there was going to be blood. She so. is going for the diaper aisle. Yeah. I am telling you, Don't. she was going the distance. She's going for speed. <laughs> um, something about her time of need. Yes. So, uh, Jason, do you have any, um, I don't know, uh, topics, uh, interesting tidbits, ideas, things you'd like to discuss? Well, I actually, uh, no, I don't. Okay. But I did want to say, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed. Nope. I've had a bit of renewed vigor lately. I pretty much figured that was because your distended testicle finally dropped. No, uh, that was a month ago. No, this is the first episode we've done since I've been back from my vacation. Um, we did the first two episodes and I went on a week long vacation up in the Smoky Mountains and yes. had a wonderfully fantastic time. Um, but something happened to me while I was on vacation that I wanted to talk about because it struck me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, should I cue the banjo music now or no, um, it struck me. And it's something that I haven't, I mean, I, I don't know what it was about the, the event. So anyway, we, uh, we rented a cabin, my whole family and I went up, uh, rented a cabin. We in the basically woods? in, in uh, a mile in the woods, <laughs> I mean, gotcha. uh, we're right next to a supermarket. So, uh, we were driving through town and we needed to get some groceries because we were cooking, uh, um, in the cabin and stuff. And right next to the grocery store, we were going to stop at in the plaza there. Yep was a blockbuster video, a full-on blockbuster video, yes. just like I remember as a kid. Every, I mean, a giant store with a great big going-out-of-business liquidation sale. And by kid, you mean graduate student. Y yes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, I remember going to, gosh, I remember going to Blockbuster as young as, I don't know, when was the, the real mid eighties? Uh, see, no, I think a blockbuster is being more of an into, I mean, I know they were around in the eighties, but to me, the eighties are more like the mom and pop. I mean, there were chains, but they were much smaller. Blockbuster was this giant. No franchise no. that, but blockbuster yeah. was the Walmart of video stores. So there's a part oh. of me that feels very dirty lamenting and waxing nostalgic for the Walmart of video stores, but <laughs> but considering well, it is the last of its kind, I guess you can kind of be a little nostalgic. Well, I mean, I do remember as a kid, we went to Hollywood video and, um, there was like, there was another like cinema something video. And those were more like mom and pop more local. But I, I distinctly remember, I think it was mid to late eighties going to the blockbuster on a re fairly regular basis. So if it wasn't a HBO or one of those premium channels. It was, was blockbuster for me. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really strike me until I actually said, Oh, we have got to go in there. I want to see what they have for sale. We went inside and it was so much of a nostalgia rush mm -hmm. back to the days when I remember going directly for that new release wall. And I even remember you were that guy. Listen, I, I worked for a very short period of time at a blockbuster. And I want to just tell you now, the, snarky video clerks mocking the customers thing. Totally true. <laughs> and one of our favorite targets were the people that, Oh, I don't know. Didn't realize there was a middle to the damn store. Oh, no. Oh, we only got new releases. Those old pictures. I mean, they're obsolete. They're dated. Who wants to watch that crap? I know there's a middle to the store. And I also know in the back of the store is that beaded curtain. That you yeah, can go no, into no, that actually blockbuster was very, <laughs> High, highly conservative in that arena. They never had any of that. Uh, no, um, I actually, I, and I know plenty of our listeners will, listeners will um, relate to this, but I remember when we went from VHS to DVD and back and to beta and the DVD section was like this tiny little, like half a shelf. Yeah. When they first started, do you, you want to know why blockbuster and all of the video stores like that went out of business? Because they're run, they were run by guys like the guy I worked with, who I crap you not, gave me this long argument. I, I'll never forget. It was like a you know Tuesday morning or whatever. We had a, one customer come in, and the guy asked about DVDs. And this guy I worked with, who was kind of the assistant manager, but he's working his way up. 
Yeah. Yeah. With a straight face, he tells the guy, "Oh no, no, sir. Um, we don't carry those." And the guy, <laughs> the guy leaves, and, and he just went like, "We're ever gonna carry that." <laughs> so with that kind of sort of uh, you know progress-oriented future thinking, yes, those kind of folks right. at the helm, which I realize he wasn't at the helm; he was like an assistant manager at a franchise <laughs> blockbuster. But still, if that was indicative of the culture, so, I'm just saying. So would you call him a middle of the store kind of guy? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, I would have called him a new release guy. Yeah, he was a new release guy. So anyway, uh, needless to say, there weren't a lot of um, the, the, the video deals weren't that good in the store, but they did have a whole bunch of these uh, little cardboard um, movie art uh, that looked like about the size of a DVD case. They're actually a little bigger than what a DVD cover would be. Yeah. Uh, and they had hundreds of them and they're giving away five for a dollar. So I picked up a handful, including... The original Roger Corman Piranha, the remake of Piranha with Vin, Vin Rames. Um, and of course, I had to get the sequel, uh, Piranha Double D. Which is a picture of boobs, people. He had yep. to get it. And the tagline is double the action, double the terror, double the D's. So <laughs> nice. That's, that's classy. One on my wall. That's classy. Did you clear that one <laughs> with your wife yet? In the closet. <laughs> <laughs> under my socks in a, under my socks in a drawer <laughs> i'm telling you man my dad's got the worst porn collection ever <laughs> uh, there's some creature with teeth in every picture no uh, oh well i i would like to point out i find it odd i typically wax nostalgic for video stores from probably would be more of the early to mid 80s era you know when it went from beta to vhs Right, right. Uh, the armchair theater that we had, or you know, the true mom and pop, the ones that just said like video store. There was right, right. Not, not very much creativity. Yet you are so much older than me, and you wax nostalgic for a blockbuster. You know, I think it's because where we live. No, I mean, I, you're like I, so much older than me. No, shut, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because where we live, that was there was one literally like right down the street in the plaza. I mean, it was the closest thing. It was to be to go fair, to, you grew right up in Orlando to... and underground cutting edge is something that's off of Disney. So, uh, not where I live. Disney has got a wall around it completely outside of Orlando. I live oh, in that's true. downtown area. <laughs> well, having lived in Orlando for a short period of time, Orlando is not exactly notorious for its, uh, how can you say this? Class? Well, no, I was going to go there. I was just thinking, like, I find it odd that I don't, We would, would I live maybe 45 minutes to an hour away from it? Yet, I swear to God, every time I drive through that place, it looks completely and utterly different. Like, it's a, like, like it's a, a city in, why am I brain farting on the name of Inception? There it is. Inception, remember how the, the city would shift and in, in the, oh, group? yeah. Like, that's what I think of Orlando. Like, it just. It is. Well, I'm. Part of that is because it's one of the fastest growing areas in the country. Yeah, but they have like and, you know, zero. They don't. They, there's no like. They don't allow any character to their environment. It's uh, just. It's just build as fast as you. Yeah, and then tear that can. tear that yeah. shit down and build it back up again and tear it down. But yeah. but yeah, and I and so I kind of think probably in your defense, Blockbuster would have been about as good as you were going to get because there's no way in hell the city planners in Orlando would have let. <laughs> Some little mom and pop video store last very long. Wait a minute. That's not a, that's not a franchise. Tourists won't recognize that. Kill it now. (laughs) It just was, it just happened to be the store closest. I never went. I I swear to God, I, I don't remember maybe one other blockbuster in my life have actually gone into rented movies other than the one that was close to my house. So, um, not a big we didn't go to any other. I mean, there were other places we went, like I said, the Hollywood video and stuff. But don't apologize it, for your blockbuster love. I'm not. I'm a blockbuster lover because I used to wow. be the one that, mom, can I get out and put it in the slot when we would bring it back? You know, what, did, you drop you, it in that little drop box. You you you, you said you would ju- you do what? You, Edit what? Uh, the audio. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, you drop out. Mom, and, can I can mom. I take video and put it in the return? place that's probably a better way to say that so I, do, I do now have a new ringtone for my phone <laughs> so that was a good one all right so anyway thank yes. you for letting me have that moment of nostalgia <laughs> and pissing on it and I, I would, spitting I would, on it and rubbing it into the ground i was so. gonna say defecate but we'll go with pissing that's better you, you got it so yeah. thank you sir thank you very much. <laughs> 
I'm glad I can make that a, a warm, touching moment. We actually, as, as I've told you, we still have a, we actually have a blockbuster in our town. I do find it amusing that the signs on it keep getting more and more desperate. Please, yeah. please, well, Maggie. they're not they're not quite that explicit in their desperation. But for the longest time, it would be things like, you know, you know rent, rent two get one free. That kind of now it's like 99 cent rentals. Keep it as long <laughs> as you want. <laughs> <laughs> we got plenty. Take as many as you want. You know, or, you know, 10 movies, 10 bucks. <laughs> it's like, because, of course, Blockbuster was, you know, franchises. So I know that the the franchisee has some level of what they could get away with. Cause I remember the guy who owned the blockbuster that I worked at, at the time. I don't know if he was, if he was violating the franchise or what, and I don't really care. And you know, I, mm-hmm. hope, I hope he gets in trouble. I hope blockbuster hears this. Like it matters. Like they would have the legal stuff at this point to, yep. to do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. But all five of the corporate employees left. Yeah. Right? They just, yeah, whatever. Cause, cause God knows <laughs> they'd be listening to this podcast too. Wow. There's a lot of assumptions <laughs> going on here, but <laughs> that aside, th- th- this guy, wouldn't put straight up porn on the shelves, but there was a lot of unrated. It, that was a member of the big deal. I don't know if you remember that. It was kind of a big deal at one point where Blockbuster like wouldn't carry unrated materials mm, because no. it could be an X-rated movie that just didn't go out for a rating kind of thing. Right, right. And he had like unrated Red Shoe Diaries and just a lot of movies of that ilk. All, like kind of, and they weren't like just off on their own. They were spread out through the store. Like you'd be going through the drama section. Oh, and so Ma, what do you want to rent tonight? I don't know, Henry. Um, Red Shoe Diaries. Is that about a ballerina? That's about a ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> who, who has a diary? And yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah, but the point, and those were pretty lame in the grand scheme of things. But he just, I remember finding it amusing that he thought he was getting away with something because he would have yeah. these these movies. And I also remember the guy who came in. And wanted to know if we had gotten the newest Andy Sedaris movie. You remember the Andy Sedaris movies? No, I don't. It was like Savage Beach. Um, what was the one with the guy who looks like Clint Eastwood? I remember reading a review that Joe Bob Briggs did. They were very much drive-in movies. They typically uh, starred women who were, hmm, let's say they would have been right at home in your Piranha 3 D or whatever the hell it is movie. Except they were real. So he's sort of like a Russ Meyer kind of guy, but they're always these really cheeseball action movies. And this guy came in and he's, oh, so you guys got the latest Sedaris movie? Oh, no, we don't have it in yet. Uh, oh, yeah. And then he would go in and just teach us about the collective cinematic works of Andy Sedaris and why he was a cinematic god. He's sort of like having Quentin Tarantino come into your store as opposed to him being the video clerk. He was the guy on the other side. And we just wax poetic, and I'm sure he'd wax other things. Well, uh, you're like, I'm sorry, I I've actually got to go back and organize the the, the new releases section. Excuse yes. me, <laughs> I, I have to go put Red Shoe Diaries one through fourteen in the proper order, sir. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So those are good times, Jason. Thank you for sharing that fond fond <laughs> memory with us. You're welcome. So, so, do you have um, do you have any trailers? Because I know we, I do, uh, but before we get to that, yeah. Before we get to that, I did want to tell you about a TV show I saw, the premiere episode, the pilot, I guess you would say, the the episode numero uno, and I don't know if you'd heard of it. Have you heard about Bates Motel? Yes, I have heard of it, and I heard the news uh, yesterday morning Mm -hmm. that they have signed on for a second season. Okay, here's the thing. I watched the... Big Psycho fan, okay? Love Psycho. Oh, yeah. I actually liked Psycho 2, 3, and 4. I kind of liked that Henry Thomas, a.k.a. Elliot, plays younger Norman Bates in all the flashback stuff, and Olivia, uh, I was hot in Black Christmas, and Romeo and Juliet Hussey is his mom. <laughs> and that it was uh, directed by a director that I like. Screw you, people. I like Mick Garris. He directed it. Deal with it. And it was also one of Anthony Perkins' last movies before he passed away. So, I enjoyed it. Uh-huh. <sighs> I think it was even listed in our Forgotten Flicks top 10 juiciest Alfred Hitchcock films of all time. Was the Psycho? Yeah, I think yes. Psycho was yes. the original. So Yes. Um, well, and, and, and it really is a classic, minus the goofy Psycho Babble scene at the end. It, it's a, it's a yeah. fantastic movie, and Anthony Perkins was brilliant. Every, every, it's a great movie. So 
this show is, I don't know how to feel about it yet. I don't hate it, but I don't know how to feel about it because but you just, now listen, you've just watched the, the, the first episode. That's all. Yes. Just the first episode. That's all they had on Hulu. So it's on Hulu. So if you get a chance, watch it. Okay. And it's an A&E show. I don't know if they're going to put the other ones on there or if I'm just going to have to wait until it goes on DVD. Yeah. Because get, deal with it, people. I'm a cheap bastard and I don't have cable. <laughs> so. Now, okay. Here's here's the deal. Yes. I have a rule when it comes to TV shows, yes. especially new ones. Yes. You have to give it three episodes. I would concur that I'm going to give it more than one episode. But Because. Because. There are lots of TV series mm-hmm. that I have become completely obsessed with and absolutely in love with. They are brilliant. But you go back and watch like the first one or two and you're like, Meh. That happens to me typically with sitcoms. And what will happen is I'll get into them after the fact, like they've been on for a year or better. And I'll get into them and then I'll go back and watch and I'll have that experience. Uh, one that comes to mind immediately was Will and Grace. We didn't watch it when it first started, eh, about a year or so yeah. after yeah. it had been on. Started watching it, loved it, fantastic. Go back, watch the first, the first few episodes, like, yeah, yeah, it was it was okay, but it wasn't near, they didn't have the same chemistry right. vibe. There was something not quite gelling, and then it gelled. Well, that's, that happens with sitcoms. However, most of the hour-long drama-type shows I like, I usually like out the gate. There's never, eh, like that hemming and hawing. Lost, first episode, brilliant. 24 uh, actually with 24 it was kind of a weird situation because i started with season four <laughs> which was a really great season and then i worked my way backwards so i don't whatever uh <laughs> that was the anomaly the exception that's going to prove my rule walking dead season one episode one brilliant yeah but that's yeah walking dead was from the gun it's yeah good, yeah but. so the most of those types of shows i typically like buffy the vampire slayer those that will knock the first season. I don't care at the time. I loved it. So on and so forth. Most shows were like that. So for me, so the fact that I'm kind of on the fence with this one is weird. Cause usually I am just done. Like, eh, it's done work for me. And I walk away completely. But this one, I don't know. Cause I guess the thing I'm, <laughs> I'm the most curious about is first off, it was, I don't know if you know this, it was written and executive produced by Carlton Cuse, who did lost was one of the guys <laughs> behind lost. And unlike Lindelof, who apparently is going to make the rest of his career about having everything he does be like the the series finale of Lost and just as confusing. Uh, Prometheus. Sorry. Uh, So. (laughs) But what's what's odd about this show. Is it's a prequel. So it's young Norman. His mom, his wife, his wife, well, might as well be his mom. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's not too bad. Kind of an intentional Freudian slip. Uh, Norma Bates, they get the motel. You see all that transpire. And the very beginning of it, you don't even know what time period is it is or anything like that. Now, arguably, the first movie is 1960. This movie would be, I'm assuming, about 10 years before that all that takes place. Here's the thing we finally really get a view of what this, when this show is taking place, when we see him at the bus stop, maybe 20 minutes or so into the episode, because he's got earbuds in. Because what? it's taking place now. What? But it's a prequel, yet it's a reimagining. Now, here's why I don't know how I feel about that, because on one hand, oh, and it has got uh, Nestor uh, Carbonell. the one who played, um, oh, come on, come on, come on, why Richard, um, Richard, is it Alpert? Was it Richard? Oh, oh yes. Yeah, Richard. Richard Alpert. In, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Richard Alpert. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah, he's like a sheriff kind of character. Okay. So again, I don't know how I feel because it's a prequel. So the whole, to me, the whole conceit of the show is we're supposed to see why Norman's so screwed up, which I might point out that Psycho 4, the beginning, a Showtime original movie, I believe directed by Mick Garris was kind of went into all that, but that's okay. That's what this is supposed to be showing us. And here's the other thing. It's not a mini series. It's an actual, like you said, season two, this is going to be a show show. This is, so here's where it falls apart for me is the whole thing is supposed to be in a sense, ominously going to lead up to the idea. Well, we know eventually spoiler alert, he's going to kill his mom. And we know eventually that, He's going to take on her persona and we know eventually what he's going to do in that transpires in psycho. But what's 
weird about it is yet it takes place. In, you see where I'm having an issue with it? Yeah. No, it, it, it seems like there's a lot of conflicting messages because I haven't seen it. Um, I have heard no terrible reviews or bad things about it. I mean, obviously it was good. It wasn't, enough to it, get a it wasn't badly made and the acting is fine. Right. But I haven't seen it yet. Um, and I might check it out on, cause I, I was curious about it because I heard this when it first came out and I thought, really? So a prequel of a horror movie made into a series and the idea, like you said, of, uh, of Freddie Highmore, you know, I'm yeah. like, okay, that I, I could buy that. So, well, and here's um, the only thing about him. I don't know how I, I'm still on the fence about him as Norman. Now that he's bad and he does have a couple of quirks that are reminiscent of Perkins, but it, maybe I believe in real life. He's, is he British? And I know, uh, I'm, I and I know I'm not one to judge accents as will later be evidenced by our CMU <laughs> theater. <laughs> But but it's almost. Yes, I, he, I think he's British. Well, he, it's um, almost in his effort to portray this American accent. It it just is very stilted. Like it doesn't. Yeah, but to me, the uh, well, I I haven't seen it. I think to me, the thing that would I, I they'd really have to convince me. I'll give it. I'll give it three, three episodes. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to give the, it at least three. I'm with they the, put them on Hulu. The thing for me is that it the whole. The original Psycho movie was what, 1960? 60, yes. Yes. So the whole idea was that this young guy uh, was, you know, grew up in the late 40s, early 50s, right? Mm -hmm. And he was that kind of a leave it to beaver type character. You know, it was the um, come across as the. Yes, if, if the if the beeve had been really into beeve and been a perv <laughs> who liked watching ladies and stuff and animals, yes, yes, that's the contradiction. He comes across mm -hmm. as a very wholesome guy, being wholesome, tight. Yes. you know, uh, dresses nice, puts his you know pants on very pressed, and everything's nice. But underneath, of course, he's he's absolutely crazy. But in a contemporary setting. I, it loses a little bit of that. I mean, well, I kind of like that's that's really. I agree with you 100, percent which completely takes the wind out of us doing the show at the moment. <laughs> but I, I agree with you because my wife made that comment. She's like, "Well, wait a minute. It was easier for him to get away with all this stuff in 1960. Hey, no in cell 2013, phones, no, yeah. where it's it just you're more yeah. everything's so much more public, which." There's a potential there. There's that there's that wonderful juxtaposition of the old with the new and this almost like anachronistic character in this right. world today. But they're getting into this whole and I'm not giving anything away. You can see it in the promo where the the town that they're in has some lots of secrets. It's like it's it's this really original idea that in this small town there's really, really bad things happening. <laughs> <laughs> dark secrets, dark being secrets hidden. being hidden. And uh, what's really messed up. I kind of want to tell you about a major thing, but I can't, cause it would be a massive spoiler. It gets, yeah, don't tell. okay. The first episode, the one, the thing that holds out hope for me, which is kind of demented cause it's really disturbing and upsetting to see, but the, it gets, it gets towards the, the latter half of the episode. It takes a dark ass turn, dude. Like really dark. Yes. Mm -hmm. But what was interesting to me after it, this thing happens that I can't give away or it ruins it, I, 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 I told my wife, I, was, I said, I don't, after that, what happened and transpired, it, it doesn't, it didn't come across as a, well, that explains, he's a, look at that, that was psycho. It was more of a, well, no, actually under that circumstance, that kind of made <laughs> sense. Now, I think maybe the way they're handling it's a bit ridiculous and bad things yeah. are going to happen, but it, it just... To me, Norman was always set up, obviously, the whole mother complex and yeah, right. all those issues. I don't really get the vibe. I mean, there's a, there, he and his mom are a little too... It's almost like she's the kind of mom who's a bad mom because she's his buddy, but not that because she's diddling him or giving him sexual problems, you know? It's <laughs> it's more like, she, you know, no, don't so call me mom, not... call me Norma, like, like that kind of thing. Or she doesn't say that. <laughs> So she's not demented enough for you yet. Well, and that's the other thing. The woman who plays her, uh, Vera Farmiga, beautiful mm -hmm. woman, but she doesn't. To me, there needs to be this almost ma just matronly sort of eighteen hundreds 
Victorian Puritan quality to yes. her. She yeah, doesn't yeah. have that. To me, she's more like, you know what it is? This should be taking place in the early 50s. And she should she is a free spirit beatnik kind of mom. Like a like an early hippie mom. Yeah. Like that's more what the vibe is. He's a little stuffy. He's Norman. He's a little bit stuffy. And his mom is this free spirit, which is it's fine. And and honestly, I think this show would have been awesome had it took place in I was thinking about that. Let's say I, I believe Norman would have been more like twenty eight or so in psycho, but let's just go on the limb and say he was twenty four. Okay. If you go back 10 years to 1950, you've been 14. So say you start this when he's 16, 17, much like this show, that's when it starts. Yep. It would have been the early 50s, so 53. Rock and roll as it became contemporary in America with the suburban culture would have been about 55. So you'd have this buildup, this transition, kind of like what Mad Men did, right? Mad yeah. Men takes it from the ad perspective. How cool would it have been if it takes place in the 50s, so you get all the Americana, and then if you want to do the whole under the surface of the town. So when creepy stuff happens, it's almost even creepier because it's playing against our myths and preconceived notions of what that time really was. Right, and yeah. things are hidden and it would have given it a kind of a Stephen King sort of vibe, in my opinion. I don't know. I just think that would work better. Or if it had been modern day and you have a fam, a new family that moves into the house kind of thing. And maybe the kid, that's there starts to find evidence of, you know, it's slowly this mystery, but the mystery is connected to the town. You know, it becomes this big thing. If you're going to have it to be a show show, I just don't understand how they're going to get this to be a continuous show. Sort of like they're doing a new Hannibal Lecter show. You heard about this, right? No, it's called Hannibal. Yes. It's called Hannibal and it's going to be Hannibal Lecter. But before anyone knows he's a serial killer. So he's just a psychiatrist. Dr. Hannibal Lecter against the Will Graham character from Manhunter and Red, uh, the Red Dragon was the book. Manhunter was the, the Michael Mann movie. And then they subsequently did it again with Edward Norton. But it's going to be that character, not in the Red Dragon story, but just them working together, sort of the FBI profiler with the, the psychiatrist helping him find, except, of course, as it's going to turn out. We, we will know that Lecter is really the serial killer cannibal guy. Uh, See, but again, at some point, and maybe it's a good thing. It's you're, you're, you are putting a bit of a timestamp on your show because eventually anybody who knows the storyline, if you're going to right. remotely, this assumes something, this assumes that they're going to even remotely adhere to that, but eventually he's going to be caught, apprehended and locked away. Right. So I, I don't know. That's just, I don't know how I feel yet about it. That's interesting. Cause it's kind of a, a new twist on the idea of taking a, um, a, an established movie and kind of diving back into the history of how those characters got to where they are. Well, what's really odd to me though, for both of those cases, especially base motel though. Yeah. It makes more sense when you do it with a character who's a protagonist, right? Because well, yeah, typically in a movie, a, they've a got hero or heroine. Yeah. Well, because they are going to be, let's say you do it based on a, a detective movie or, or something like that with an FBI agent. It makes sense to transfer over because week in, week out, different cases, different things happening with Bates Motel. I come back to this. What are they going to do every week? Is it just going to be this gradual reveals that the town is creepy and the people are creepy? So that actually undermines Norman's creepiness, in my opinion. Yeah, I just I don't know. Again, I don't know well, how I feel. Give it another episode. Yeah. And uh, let's revisit it and see what happens. OK, so do you want to talk uh, trailers now? I think we should get the garbage bags out and do a little trailer trash. Insert trailer trash bumper here. <laughs> we really need like a the sound of a garbage truck. Yeah, uh, yeah backing up like beep, beep. Oh, and, and then and then, and then it, you hear a crash and you'd be like, hey, get off my lawn. Or Why would I the, dump is dumping trash in his yard? I don't know. But maybe he'd like that. So maybe more like, hey, hey, hey get off my lawn after you're done dumping the trash. I don't know. <laughs> it's exactly. Yeah. So I only have one. Do you now? I do. And I know you got a million. So I just wanted to get through my one real quick. And I didn't know if I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's. I watched a handful of trailers over the weekend. Okay. Um, I just dug into, I thought, well, I know some of the big ones that are coming in the next couple months. I know some that just came out, um, but I wanted to kind of catch with anything new that popped up that I you know, wasn't aware of because I like, I like being surprised by new trailers. 
So I flicked on, I've got this channel, um, uh, uh, YouTube channel that has all the new trailers in it. And I also have Voodoo uh, through my TV that has new, new trailers. And I clicked it on and it was the newest trailers, like the, the ones that just came out. Like brand, were, were they, did they have that new trailer smell? They did. It was kind of like, I don't know what a new trailer smells like. <laughs> it's sort of like when you get a brand new book and you mix it with a brand new car and then erase all of that and then make it a trailer. And then that's what it smells like. Okay. So, um, so I'm sitting there watching and it's a Wolverine trailer and I'm yes. like, Wait a second. That's not new. Well, it's, and it's, even it's got, called. it's got the at the beginning. Wait now. a second. It's even called the wolf. It's even called Wolverine. I'm like, wait, no, wait a second. This is, this movie's already out. Am I, and I seriously thought, is this uh, just an old trailer? They're recycling. And then I'm like, I watched. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, or at least in the trailer that Wolverine long hair running around and, uh, someone that he saved in his past, uh, wants to repay him and thank him and wants to make him mortal. Ah, like that's his gift to Wolverine is take away his powers of healing. And because Wolverine has been alive for a long, long time. So the gift is to make it to where he can die. Yes. Hmm. Because the idea, at least in the trailer is that his immortality or near immortality is a curse. So I saw that. And I thought, no, that's not the storyline of Wolverine. <laughs> so at what and point so, are you putting two and two together? This is a different movie. <laughs> and that's when it hit me. And I had to look it up. I'm like, Wait, then what the hell was the movie that I saw called? And I thought the one that I saw was just called Wolverine. And I looked it up and I'm like, okay, this brings up something I effing hate. <laughs> the original was called X-Men Origins colon Wolverine. Mm -hmm. This new one is called The Wolverine. Mm -hmm. It is not a reimagining. It is not a... No, it's a sequel to that prequel. It or is. Was, it that, is. was that was considered a prequel? I avoided it like the play. It's not a prequel. The second I, mean, I saw is. in the freaking trailer, the booming, cr the shot above him in the rain as he's, no, a la Darth Vader. I'm like, oh, God. I, I will say it had moments like that, like that moment. And there's maybe one or two others. I love Hugh Jackman. Um, if he knocked on my door, I would run away with him. <laughs> but in the... And he looks... So Wolverine wasn't god-awful. And I, let me... Let me clarify the first wolverine in 2009 uh wasn't awful i liked it there were parts of it that were good but i'm also a big fan of the comic book character wolverine and mm -hmm. um you know daryl will be proud of me daryl taylor uh i actually had a copy of wolverine number 50 1991 with mark silvestri's autograph on it he's the guy that drew wolverine and big famous uh, artist for uh, uh x-men um so i collected him into comics so when this came well, out hold on daryl would be proud of you you used past tense you said had yeah, I sold my collection. Yeah, so he would be proud of you. He You're, would he, have. He would see. You, he would see you as a traitorous bastard to the comic. <laughs> I owned it at one point. So anyway, the original I thought was was uh, decent from that perspective, and I actually kind of liked it. But the idea that okay, you got to come up with some better titles than this. And I'm even going to throw. Yes, I am. I'm even going to throw Batman in there. All right, and I'm not talking about. The, the Michael Keaton run and, you know, and the Val Kilmer. I'm talking about the current Batman, right? You don't like the titles of the Batman movies? I think they're all way too similar. Well, I would, I, mean, I would say the pro the only problem I have with the Batman movies, Batman begins while it makes sense for the first movie it is the one that doesn't fit. Because if that one had been something about dark Knight, or even dark Knight, then dark Knight. Okay, but Falls, you've got Dark Knight Rises. Like that would at least oh, made more sense. You've got Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Well, yes, but that makes sense. The Dark Knight, <laughs> and then the Dark Knight. And keep in mind too, there being a little, there's a little play on words there as well. Obviously, the yeah, no, symbolism of the Dark uh -huh, Knight. It's cute. Uh -huh. I get it. So <laughs> let me get this straight. You have a bigger problem with the title of the new movie, which, by the way, I just glanced at. Directed by James Mangold, who did a movie that I always really enjoyed. Identity with John Cusack, Amanda Peet, and Rebecca De Mornay, of course, uh -huh. and Christopher McQuarrie, who most recently wrote and directed Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise, but he wrote The Usual Suspects and wrote and directed a great movie with Ryan Felipe and Benicio del Toro uh, yeah. called Way of the Gun. Great uh -huh. writer, fantastic writer. They're behind this movie. I don't care if it's called Wolverine's Ball Sack. 
it's going to be head and tails better than that now, POS that came out let, a couple years ago. Let me clarify. Just from the trailer, and this is just the initial trailer, it actually looks really good. Um, it looks like it takes place more in the Far East, um, which if the comic books, you know, in the comic books, he had a, a kind of a girlfriend, but he actually spent time in the Far East and learning martial arts stuff. So it looks way better than the first Wolverine. Um, and I actually want to go see it because he looks really cool in the beginning when he's all haggard and the long hair and his long beard and everything. Um, he, he looks really good. So I definitely want to see it. I just, I hate that whole, it feels lazy. And I know that there's a lot that goes behind the naming, uh, the titling yeah, of the movies. Yeah, and, they're, they're called, they're called test groups. <laughs> yes, they do. I know they pull people together. They ask them all these different names. They got all these other things. Yeah, it just feels lazy, but I still want to go see it. I'm still jacked about it. So if you haven't seen it, go out and check out the, uh, the Wolverine. And for those that want to mock me for, and you can, of course, nothing stopping you uh, for calling a movie I haven't seen a POS. I, I, I use the analogy. I don't have to taste shit to know I won't like it. And when everybody, <laughs> no offense to my buddy here, who more often than not, we agree. But when everybody and their brother told me that movie was rancid dog nut. I, it wasn't that bad. They're, they're worse, way well, you know, thing, I should watch it now because my standard, my, my expectations are so low. My, yeah, my standards are low like, too, obviously, but it's actually a pretty good movie. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, wow, what the hell is everybody's problem? I don't, that always happens. If they rip it, if everybody rips it, I end up like, I don't know. What's the big deal. I wasn't that bad, but if everybody loves it, I'm like, Oh my God. I would say it's at least double as good as the English patient as a good day to die hard. Oh, wow. So that's like, <laughs> Double. Double zero equals. <laughs> Maybe triple. Wow. Maybe triple. <laughs> wow. That's an achievement. So anyway, that's my uh, adamantium clause out there. So Okay, uh, nice. What did, you, what did you bring to the tabla? <laughs> uh, one that doesn't today. suck. Although, actually, I can't say that because the Wolverine might actually be good. The Purge is my first, my first choice. I came across this a couple days ago. Wait, wait. The Purge? What? Not the perv. That's my autobiographical <laughs> memoir about things that happened. And no, the purge, much like what, as I said to you before, happened to the Dharma Initiative. The purge. Gotcha. This is the one with Ethan Hawke, right? Yes, it is. And Lena Headey, who was in the uh, Sarah, Connor Sarah Connor Chronicles and Game yep. of Thrones, and she's done other things. And it is. They have it listed as a horror movie. I would say it's more of a th thriller with a just a hint of sci-fi, just a touch, and only in that it does take place in the future. But it's sci-fi in a way that Soylent Green. Well, actually, Soylent Green was probably more sci-fi, but no, that was way more sci-fi. Yeah, but but that idea. It's similar, but it's still, but there's just this idea. It's that, in the future, and it's it's what is what's different is this the social construct. Right. To, to be more, I don't even would say satirical, but to symbolize things that are going on in our own culture today. I think that's the idea. No, I gotcha. There was a movie that came out many years ago, well, many in the 90s, that was actually not a very that's, good movie. That's called, many years ago. Yeah, I guess it was. Called White <laughs> White Man's Burden. Did you, do you remember that one with John Travolta? Yep. Okay. Yep. That, that, that kind of idea. Well, that was an alternate reality. Yeah. But it was still somewhere in the future. And as I recall, it's been a long time. So this would sort of be like if we actually lived in sliders mm. and went to an alternate universe that existed in the That's same a planet. very good analogy. And you know, there's a good show I haven't thought about in a long time. I liked that, that show when it was out. Yeah. Was it Jason Bateman? No, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. And yeah. uh, 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 Sala from... <laughs> From Raiders, Raiders yeah. yeah. John Rice davies yeah. Yes, uh, yes. So I, I think that might need to revisit at some point. However, but yes, Sliders is a good example where... It's, it's contemporary. It, it feels like it's But there's something day, off, yes. But it's completely different, yeah, culture. And, and in this case, the thing that's off is it's it, America, 1% unemployment, which, you know, pretty much like right now. And no crime, again, pretty much like right now. Yeah. Well, right now in Detroit... Oh, right now, no, yeah, no crime, 1% unemployment. I'd say that's probably yep. pretty accurate. Yep. 
Yep. And the reason for this is, is because one one night a, a year for 12 hours, all did crime. Say, did you almost say one night a week? <laughs> I, I almost did. One night a week. <laughs> there's a reason why there's no crime because everybody's dead. <laughs> it, so it, one night a year. One night a year for about 12 hours, cr- all crime is legal. Everything you you could possibly imagine, which I realize if they really want to go there could get really disturbing, but I think it's going to probably stay in the murder realm. So this family, Ethan Hawke, Lena Headey, their, their family, they're wealthy. They have this hot state of the art security system. And this kind of this interesting, I like the idea where they have the TVs on in the background. You can see all the horrific things happening. The news are picking up and sharing and they're locked in the mom's like on her elliptical and dad's working and and they're completely oblivious. Yeah. Yeah. There's carrying on with life. Uh, and again, no symbolism there. I'm sure they're not trying to imply anything. And (laughs) so in the midst of all this, one of their kids sees somebody on a security camera. It's this young man. He's running away. He's obviously been beaten pretty badly. He's begging for help. He's banging on the door. They won't let him in, ignore him. Well, she can't do it. She lets him in. He gets in. No, no, it's uh, it's the the little boy. Was it a boy? No, it's or it's their son that lets. Are you sure about that? Yeah, look like a little girl. It's kind of like the kid from Fatal Attraction. His name is it Max took me years. Okay, then it's a boy. But the kid <laughs> in Fatal Attraction, I could have sworn it was a boy. Be damned, it wasn't a girl. <laughs> Always threw me. Always threw me. Anyway, yeah. So the son. Yeah. So the son. Whatever. <laughs> he lets in this individual. And when the individual comes in, he's being chased down by other individuals wearing pretty creepy masks, very creepy masks, and they want him back now, right off the bat, they want him back. If they don't turn him over, then everybody in the house is dead. Although I would point out if they've got it locked down and it's that good a security system, could they really get in? But uh, they kind of touch on that in the preview. Well, there's no way they can get in. Right. And then of course, cut to glass crashing and footsteps slowly creeping in. But what was the first movie immediately with that idea that I thought of that you thought of um what was the um the one where they went into the safe room oh okay panic room that would have been one panic room but no yeah, that's like not that. what I was thinking of um no oh you were thinking of that that dumbass movie oh, um screw you <laughs> assault on precinct 13 yeah which which interestingly Ethan Hawke in the remake I might point out but they're remaking that? No, they remade it. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, I a, few, a few years ago. And I saw it. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't. I, yeah. It's funny now. I don't really remember much about yeah. it. So it tells you something. But it wasn't horrible. Gotcha. More than likely, you would like it better than the original. It's sort of like the blockbuster of Assault on <laughs> Precinct 13 to the original's more mom and pop. <laughs> Salt of the earth quality. So you'll probably like the the new one, Jay. The Walmart of it's Assault the on Precinct 13. It's sort of like that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in this movie, they let him in, blah, blah, blah. So it looked creepy to me. I, I like a good thriller. love thrillers. So Yeah, I actually, it, it, I like the idea behind it. And the premise, uh, that whole one day a year, all... Um, all crime is is free and forgiven. It's a nice, actually it's a, sounds like a pretty cool new premise. Yeah, you know? cool and, concept, cool high concept. Yeah, yeah. I, I always like those. I always like when someone comes up with some idea that's original, and so um, I, I'll give it a try. Yeah, definitely. And it's, then the other one, which was very similar in a lot of ways because it had that whole home invasion idea, was called yeah. Your Next. Mm. That was the other one. And the thing that was throwing me about that one is, according to IMDb, it came out in 2011, yet the release date is 2013. So uh, could it be one of those that they finished, but then sat on? For? Well, it's obviously it's an indie picture. The guy who directed it, I believe was involved with VHS. Remember the found footage yeah. movie that came out. Okay. VHS and maybe even to some degree VHS too. I saw it in his credits on IMDb and this one, similar situation, except that no weird one night a year. They allow people to you know kill each other. It's more in the vein of, did you ever see the movie, The Strangers with Liv Tyler? Uh, no. Okay. No. I didn't I either. Talk about, I didn't see it. I, I actually have never seen it myself. I've, it's been on my radar for a long time. Never saw it. But this one, I've heard a lot of people say is similar because 
in that case, it was, I think, just a couple. But this is like a small family, again, well-to-do, and they're having this wonderful dinner party. And (laughs) that, that one shot was pretty good with the woman's cutting something in the kitchen. And it's nighttime outside, and you just see that re- that blurred reflection in the window of yeah, yeah. this man wearing a very realistic-looking rabbit mask. Yes, pretty pretty effed up. Looking. Yeah, it was pretty effed up. And huh. so, essentially, these villains fall upon this home and this family and execute them. It looks like using some type of crossbow, arrow yeah. bolt type device, primarily. That's their kill weapon of choice, and. They're wearing these giant bunny masks, which on paper sounds funny. In the trailer, pretty creepy. Got to be honest with you. Something yeah. about Attack of the Furries. Kind of well, a- it's it's kind of that uh, um, the idea of those relatively realistic animal masks, you know, yeah. like in the uh, Archie McPhee catalog. Yes. It's the pig mask yes. and the something that you, you clearly think a serial killer would be wearing. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else would. I, I, I would also think it would be one of the worst serial killers in history because if they don't want to stand out, really? No, but at night when nobody else sees you, that's kind of effed up. Yeah, so yeah, here's, it is. here's the answer. It started making a film festival rounds in, in the, at Toronto in 2011. Then it did Fantastic Fest, San Francisco Film Festival. The full U.S. release is this year. See, that is the- why... You got to tip your hat to indie filmmakers because the attention span <laughs> required, oh. which is oh, funny because yeah. a lot of them don't have, they have one, you know, attention spans worse than mine, but the, the level of dedication, I guess I should say required yeah. to make that movie, the years that they spent getting the money production, oh, yeah. pre-produ- all that, they make the movie in 2011 for love yes. of God. Then they take it around to all these festivals, pray somebody buys a damn thing and distributes it. And here we are in 2013. Now, the thing about being a filmmaker as an artist, it's not like, say, a photographer. A photographer does their pictures, say they have a gallery opening. Well, while that's going on, they could be taking more pictures, right? Or a writer. Yeah. A writer could write a book, put the book out, the book, even go go take the book around and, and all sorts of fun stuff. And while that's happening, guess what? They can go write another book. Yeah. The filmmaker, you're not going to be making a damn movie while you're promoting your other one for two years. Yeah. It's why Don Coscarelli went 10 years almost between Bubba Hotep and his newest one, John <laughs> Dies at the End. He goes like 10 years between movies, a poor son of a gun. Yeah. And that's it why. Reminds you, it reminds me of that movie we saw in 2011. Um, we went to the Orlando Film Festival, Midnight Sun. Yeah. I love that movie. It just never got a real big release. It got, I think finally they got a DVD deal, but um, it was really good. And I'm like, God, I hope this guy gets in with somebody big. But Well, how about that? For love of God, Super. I mean, oh my God, well, Super yeah. was demented, but yeah. how could they not? First off, as demented as it was, you'd think that was a good marketing angle. But the thing had Kevin Bacon, Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion. Oh, I know. Uh, no, the, and, uh, and Dwight from The Office. I mean, it had uh, Ellen Page. Yeah, Ellen Rangles, Page. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was directed by James Gunn, who you did Slither, which is a great movie. I mean, I don't get it. It's. Yeah, uh, by the way. Joel and I saw that together in the theater, the unrated fully like what the, what James Gunn intended it to be. (laughs) And uh, yeah, there are some uncomfortable moments. So if you watch that, you honestly swear to God, have to watch the unrated. Yeah, you really do. And I don't know what the hell he's talking. I don't know what he's talking about. Most of that movie just made me horny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that uh, whole Ellen Page. Well the, well, the thing about it is because it's such a oh. uh, this is why it's called off script, folks. If you're new to the show, uh, <laughs> 53 minutes in, I'd like to point out that occasionally we go off track. But the thing that was funny with Super is they were it was a comedy and and really in t- the tone of it was comedy. But then when violent things would happen, they were so profoundly disturbing and disgusting. Uh, they were like horror movie e- was, the new it, evil dead level in some cases they were pretty intense it definitely it was definitely hard to swallow i mean some of it was just it was really meant to be in your face and oh, you yeah. know uh, uh difficult to take but it was such a contrast to the comedy part of it oh, it Liv was Tyler. Almost, we've got Liv tyler isn't it yeah and yes and Liv tyler was that's right um it was a perfect balance i mean i love the movie uh never let any of my kids watch it and even when they're 20, I mean, (laughs) 
but you can you can watch it, son. Just don't tell me about it. <laughs> right. But... I don't want to know that your eyes saw the same thing I just saw. <laughs> right. I don't want to. I don't want to accept that. But it was it was actually a kind of a. Uh, it's definitely not a movie for everybody. I mean, we've actually talked to friends at work. We're like, no, don't go see it. Yeah, um, no. Oh, you, through, you I like superhero movies. Oh, no, 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 don't go see no, it. No. But I really liked it. But it was definitely one of those disturbing ones. But yeah, it's a good point because that was one of those that it was making the rounds in film festivals uh, for for a while before it really uh, you know hit it. Yeah, big I guess in the U.S. Well, that's was, the thing uh, is that but but super to my knowledge, I haven't checked Netflix to see if it's there. I assume it is, but it didn't get much of a distribution deal. Oh, and DVD, you mean? Yeah, no, I don't think it got any kind of... I know it didn't get released wide at all in movie theaters. <clears throat> really? No, not at all. That's my point. He's like, after all that, with that cast, I mean, how do you not... How can you not market the hell out of that cast? Right, right. But whatever. But you're next. I, that at least explains the time frame of it. I, I like yeah. that the cast is all unknowns. And as far as the plot goes, from what I could tell, again, family, these weird rabbit-headed creepoids show up and start killing everybody for no reason. That's why it's remember. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And that premise has been played out a bit in my opinion, but it's also supposedly what I found equally interesting is you don't get this from the trailer. It's also a bit of a comedy. Really? Yes. That was some of the The trailer does not lend (laughs) to any comedy, even a dark comedy. No, I mean, I guess you could say, and I'm no spoiler here. It's in the trailer when the one guy goes, what's that? And then the arrow shoots in, hits him in the head right there in front of everybody at the dinner. He fall the way he falls over and everybody just kind of has that look on the face. Like what the hell? Like there's that, but then <laughs> their level of terror is so real. I, I don't think it's funny, <laughs> but that's me. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, so, uh, Jason, Oh, God, is another hour passed already? Almost. So we might want to jump into a little C&D theater. But before we do, before we do, my friend, <laughs> do you want to let all the good peeps know who the winner of the last C&D theater? Yes. The winner we who guessed the correct an thing? amazing oh, response. Mind-blowing Oh my God! I didn't know Thousands. there was. I didn't know there were that many people that even owned devices to listen to podcasts. <laughs> you know how long it took me to get through all of those he, emails. He really went to the mountains just to do that. I, it took me like three days of just nothing but emails, reading the same email over. <laughs> you know what? That's what sunk Jay and Jack in the Lost podcast. They were getting tens of thousands of emails and it's happening to us. Yep, exactly. Because, yeah. uh, you know, there's also no sarcasm on the show whatsoever, uh, if you've never listened to us before. So. <laughs> um, I was happy we actually had a handful of people that guessed. Um, last last week, or la- last week, the um, uh, week before, because we do CND Theater every other episode. Um, and so our first episode, we did CND Theater. We knew it was a bit of a softball. Uh, we did. We, we, we read script and uh, our best thespian voices, uh, but we knew that that one was a little bit easy. Uh, we had a handful of people guess, and uh, I did a random drawing, and the winner uh, was – it was JV. So, <laughs> Congratulations, JV. You are, in fact, the geek of the week, and we swear this was not fixed just because he uh-huh. does the intro to the show. <laughs> I swear to God, it was completely <laughs> random. Um, the fact that he is so, the Kermit voice at the beginning of the show has nothing to do with. No, it really, no, it really wasn't. Uh, because I let's swear. be honest, what's he getting? He's getting geek of the week. Fred for geek of the week. Yep. Uh, so we'll put your name up on the show notes and congratulations, JV. But uh, for those of you who have never listened to the, all the other episodes we've done of off script. Um, all C&D of Theater, them. Yeah. <laughs> the other ones. Um, CND theater is uh, Joel and I's best a reenactment of a movie segment and well, well J- jason jason before you go any further how about we just give him a taste of the latest edition of uh, cnd theater <laughs> well why why not torture them i mean <clears throat> let them listen to it. i think i think this is good stuff i really do <laughs> i'm sorry 
Welcome to Sandy Theater with Jason DeGrooms and Joe Robeson. And auction. Where'd you get the beauty scar, tough guy? Eating pussy? How am I going to get a scar like that? Eating a pussy? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This was when I was a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. You should see the other kid. You can't recognize him. And this? Oh, oh, that's nothing, man. That's for my sweetheart. Sweetheart, my ass. We've been seeing more and more of these. Mm -hmm. Some kind of code these guys use in the can. Mm. Pitchfork. He's an assassin or something. You want to tell us about it? Mm. Or do you want to take a little trip to the detention center? Okay, you got me. Uh, I was in the can one time uh, for buying dollars. A big, big deal. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. Well, that's true. It was a Canadian tourist. Mm. What'd you do? Mug him first? Insane! <laughs> Bloody brilliant that was! Oh my god, that was that was art. That was something. I, I just would like to point out, Jason, excellent, excellent B. Arthur impression. And Peter, please do not swim over here to kick my ass. That was not meant to be indicative of my my uh, Nordic brothers and sisters. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be the nondescript foreign exchange student from Can't Hardly Wait, which when all you're saying is, would you like to touch my penis? Real easy to keep going. But I've noticed that reading dialogue for a longer period of time, not so easy. So he sort of turned into more of a higher octave Arnold Schwarzenegger at some point, I noticed. And 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 uh, yeah, that was good. Good stuff. So your charge, great listener, is to try and figure out, without cheating, what movie we were reenacting. Uh, send in your guesses to offscriptpodcast uh, at gmail.com and uh, let me know what you thought it was. Make sure in the subject line you put c and Theater and the number of the episode. Uh, we are number trois, number three. So, yes, good luck. To all 10,000 of you. Indeed. Is that one person with 10,000 personalities? <laughs> Possibly. Okay. Maybe it's Norman. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> we definitely know the girl from The Purge isn't listening. <laughs> Max. Max. Hey, that's my son's name. That's weird. That's my son's name. Weird that there, I guess, Maxine. Mac. <clears throat> yeah, it could be. Yeah. Could be. Kind of cool chick named Max. Kind of cool. It's <laughs> <sighs> uh, good stuff. So, Jay, um, any final words before we uh, provide them with the oh so important <laughs> information? Yes. Uh, yes. Two quick things. One, don't forget, uh, last episode, we covered the ADD top 10. We're going to continue that next episode. So if you have any ideas for topics, uh, go ahead and email those to me and let me know what you think. And teaser, just a tip, teaser, next episode, I think I might have to pull out some cheese. Uh-oh. And did you say teaser, just the tip? <laughs> Did you really just say that? What What is up with you tonight? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was excited. I haven't done the show in a couple of weeks and I'm all, I'm all, I'm all jacked up. <laughs> Whoa. And there it is. So yes. <laughs> and did you also want to maybe tell them how to send you their answers, by the way? I already did. You said email. I don't think you gave them the email. I did. You did? I wasn't really listening. So on that <laughs> note, I'm going to go ahead and run 
the final contact information. Well, no, not good night yet, because we will be right back. For more Offscript action, go to offscriptpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at at offscriptcast. More importantly, don't forget to check us out on iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the higher we rate. The higher we rate, the more listeners we get. The more listeners we get, the more reviews we'll get. It's a vicious cycle. If you have any questions or comments, keep them to your damn self. If you have a guest for the CND Theater or suggestion for the ADD Top 10, email us. That is all. I really and gotta, we're back. I really, <clears throat> I need to read that in another voice. Yeah, actually, mm. probably should. Yeah, I think Carl Childers, I think that would be the better voice. Or B. Arthur, whichever one. <laughs> so, Jason, uh, any final words? Because tonight we're going to go out with a special treat. I have been looking forward to this treat all night. Have you? <laughs> That's what she said. No, my friend, this is this is actually dedicated to uh, a great listener, a great guy, Jay. He's in our Facebook group. He asked a long time ago, hey, if you're going to play, I, bl- I I might be paraphrasing here, but shitty white bread ass, crapo, AM gold, <laughs> shitty, cheesy music. Eight track in your gremlin. Bitches. <laughs> could you please at least play? And then he, asked, he requested. So this is dedicated to Jay and to my buddy Terry. And Terry, you know why. As we continue our countdown, the number 14 song on the solid gold chart for 81 was unique because it was the theme song of a TV series. And the TV series was very unique because it stayed on the air for more than two weeks. Two weeks? It was successful. Oh, yeah. Very. (laughs) The young man who recorded that theme song has become one of music's hottest new stars, singing the 14th most popular song of 1981, the theme from the greatest American hero, believe it or not, Please welcome Joey Scarborough. Okay, I may have to leave that part in. <laughs> you definitely, definitely are. 